Yo, yo, check this out. Check this out. Previously heard. Previously heard. Good Hope FM. Let's go. Corporate Mental Health Week. I mean, it sounds like such a... I don't know, a rote phrase. But here we are. It's important to have this discussion. I see a lot of you are really struggling with toxic work culture. We've seen trends on Instagram, people talking about how to manage toxic work cultures. The biggest stats show that most people leave businesses because of the fact that they have a toxic manager or a toxic work culture. We've also seen the mass, uh, the, the what do you call it, the great resignation uh, that we had noticed over the last while. And Sandra was very wisely telling me that even Beyonce jumped and understood that, wrote songs about the great resignation. So what on earth is going on? And how can we help, obviously, our employees, people who are employed in businesses, I suppose, mm, have better mental health and enjoy work more, contribute more value to the economy? But at the same time, how do you get managers and bosses to be better people and think about this stuff when it comes to managing their teams? And so joining us on the line today to encourage us in the conversation is Professor Renata Skuman, the Head of Healthcare Leadership at Stellenbosch Business School. A very good morning to you. You, Prof. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, listeners. How are you doing this morning? A little bit chilly, but otherwise good and ready for work because I'm in a happy space. There. <laughs> I was about to say, did you do your meditation before work this morning? <laughs> Have you drank your robust tea? Are you feeling less triggered? And went for my run in the dark and cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> You're such an overachiever. Wait, no, that's toxic. I mustn't say that. <laughs> Prof, let's talk about a very important topic that it seems like a lot of our listeners are experiencing right now. Are we in a time that is different to times in past uh, that are different to the way that things were run maybe 10, 20 years ago? Why are we experiencing such a big narrative around toxic work culture? Has anything drastically changed really? Or are we just now more aware of our own needs? Yeah, it's a bit of both. And there's systemic issues and personal issues. Over the past couple of decades, we have seen the technological boom and how we can operate. And we do not have to, although we should, have boundaries between work. You can work from anywhere at any time, but that's not necessarily healthy. Unfortunately, because of increasing productivity, that is what some organizations expect you to do. You know, just do the job whenever and however. At the same time, COVID pandemic has really bring to the fore the importance of mental health. And people suddenly paused during lockdown and think, but listen, maybe I don't want to live this way. Maybe I do want a better work-life balance. I want to take care of my mental health. And in the aftermath of COVID, some of us are still struggling with physical aftermath and personal losses, but there's also the financial aftermath of COVID. Mm. And, and with the already high unemployment rate, people really experience a lot of stress with combined with this hybrid work culture we're in. And that's why we see this significant rise in mental health illnesses. The positive of it is we also see a rise in the number of people seeking attention for treatment, which means people are more educated. And that's why we also have more conversations about it, because that helps people not to have undiagnosed, untreated mental health disorders. If I can cut to the chase around that. So you basically are saying that this is always like um, toxic work cultures always existed or at least uh, stress and anxiety always existed. Uh, however, now we have got an elevated level of that based 
based on what our experience was um, during the last sort of, I suppose, three, four years of just general societal stress and anxiety and loss and all of these things that we're experiencing over and above what would have been a pretty stable life before. And we're a lot more aware of the things that we want and don't want. And so we can make better decisions. And obviously, you've mentioned some other sort of factors as well. So this isn't something new. Work hasn't become more toxic or environments haven't become more stressful. No, maybe more fast-paced. And maybe it's more difficult to put that boundaries in place. Um, one, if, the, if there's not an SOP at work, which talks to communication after hours or what is expected of you, and there's people that's crossing the boundaries. And secondly, if you don't put it in place, it's more difficult. You know, if you think decades ago, you might be too young, but those took six weeks. You know, if you send a letter, it took a couple of weeks before you have a response. Now it's six seconds in your inbox. Yeah. You know, so the pace of, of you know, communication, everything has increased. But I definitely think, especially the media, plays such an important role with these conversations so that more people realize that there's something, maybe the way I feel is not how I should feel. Maybe there's something that can be done for me. Yeah. At the same time, we do, as I mentioned, more people seek care, but also, the vast majority of people still do not seek care, and it has mm. partly to do with a significant stigma still surrounding mental health. Yeah, we've seen a lot of finger pointing, obviously, at corporates and at managers. I mean, even if I just review all of the voice notes and messages we've received as we started this conversation, uh, most of it is related to managers and corporates, and that the issue really sits in corporate culture uh, and in managers having lack of skills to be able to lead effectively. However, does sound from what i'm hearing from you that this is a a little bit more complex than that it is it is organizations that definitely can contribute or have a very positive meaningful impact it's for some people much nicer to be at work than be at home sometimes you know so organizations can contribute but then it's very easy to only point fingers at the employer and not to take personal responsibility from the employee side you can't expect your employer to look after you but you don't take care of yourself you know you don't sleep enough you never switch off your phone you youtube the whole night you drink too much you never exercise you overindulge you know so then you're not resilient so then stress that that's sort of like normal levels of stress. People that's more resilient can cope with it. And if you do not take care of yourself, you can't. And then you can't point fingers at the the organization. So it's definitely everyone's responsibility. And maybe that's my big plot. Mental health illness has significant personal, organizational, and societal costs. And unless all of us join hands and you know, address this together, it's only going to increase the problem. So there's personal responsibility, there's organizational responsibility, and there is government responsibility yeah 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 make resources available i mean with just, a big sigh just thinking about it yeah i mean like a, a psychologist appointment is like a thousand five hundred rand uh, for example if you don't have medical aid for example how does anybody go about affording proper and effective treatment over the long term for mental health uh, unless we can get that thing addressed uh, but i don't want to go down too much of a political road i'm just more interested in the fact that you've really unpacked this in a beautiful way for us that there is a responsibility on you as a person to do two things one is look after your mental health make sure you live a balanced life that you you know 
exercise, you, you know, meditate, you ensure that you are a healthy, full person so that when you arrive in stressful environments, you've got all your faculties available. But two, you also need to set up boundaries uh, that are fair boundaries within a work environment and not be that person who is creating a standard and a norm for other people. That is, I will work overtime, I'll do whatever it takes, I'll put myself second, I'll put everything else second because corporates love that. It's attractive, it's exciting to have employees who are that invested in their work, that this is their life, they love it and get energized and everybody else is being compared against those star athletes in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk quickly about the stresses of employers, um, people, businesses who are still struggling to survive, keep everybody paid and employed? They're looking for staff who are going to go the extra mile, paid slightly less and do the extra work because they're struggling as well too. This sounds like a never-ending cycle that just won't be resolved ever. I hear you. Um, I also want to warn people that say, okay, I'm going to put my boundaries in place and I'm just going to do the bare minimum because you are then the the colleague that creates stress for everyone else that need to pick up your slack. And secondly, you are shooting yourself a little bit in the foot if you think in terms of promotion opportunities. So it is a delicate balance. At the same time, the organizations and the leaders that may be listening this morning that are struggling – I know productivity is important. I know the bottom line is important. But research shows clearly that if you look after the emotional well-being on your staff, employees that support it are happier, less stressed and anxious, more creative, more productive, and have higher levels of job satisfaction, and therefore you will have lower staff turnovers and less conflict. So it's a balance between, yes, we do understand productivity. And, and I also say, you know, me also being self-employed part-time, you know, like productivity is important. You can't just do the bare minimum. You, but you can't have productivity without taking care of yourself and your staff. Then something's got to give and it is going to give. And that is costly. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, good, good, wise words. And I mean, at the same time, we can't put everybody into the same bracket. One of the other things I've, I listen to is I get really angry when I hear about government, obviously in government spend. I get really angry when I hear about profits of these big corporates and cultures that exist around the world. When you're talking about billions of dollars in profits and million, those companies don't have excuses to talk about, yeah, we're struggling to make it through the month end and, you know, we need to drive through the bottom line. You're really just trying to prioritize shareholders and shareholders need to also stop being so bloody hungry all the time but there are a lot of small to medium-sized enterprises that are under a lot of stress to just meet the basic needs to just break even to just pay off debts as things go on and that kind of stress i suppose is what we're talking about here not the companies who have billions in profits and trying to keep increasing profits on an annual basis this upward trajectory because then that will be felt across the line as well too everybody will be sacrificed at that altar yeah, absolutely. Prof, we had a question that came through. I, I think I'm struggling to discern what the question is really, but I'll read it out anyway and maybe we can make sense of it together. It says, but what happens when mental health is used as an excuse continuously and you're in a mental health role at work? Where do you draw the line? And I think this is what you're linking to about like a sort of maturity of understanding of what exactly is mental health. I think it's used as a blanket phrase whenever you're feeling slightly down or stressed. And, and yeah. how, do we, how do we draw the line in terms of understanding what really is true mental health and less excuse and a bit more reality? Yeah, I think people are using terminology very easily. Oh, I'm burned out. 
Yeah. You know, some days you are just really exhausted and tired and hurtful. It doesn't mean you're burnt out. Mm. You know, and burnt out is an occupational diagnosis. It's not a medical diagnosis. So we also need to be careful if you are in HR or you are employer and that employee comes with a sick certificate that say, I'm burnt out, I'm booked off for three or six months. Please get a second opinion. Send that person to a psychiatrist, even if you have to pay as a company for a second opinion, because booking someone off a fee of six months is not treatment. Mm. And if someone needs that amount of time off from work, something else is going on. Then there's most likely depression or anxiety, which is a treatable condition where someone can feel better within a couple of weeks and actually be productive. And they don't even necessarily have to be admitted. You can treat the majority of mental health conditions as an outpatient with the necessary therapy with the necessary medication which shouldn't have a disruption of productivity at work interesting i love your view on this prof um it's been really exciting to be able to chat to you about a balanced understanding of the personal responsibility on every employee to make sure that they are exercising eating well making time for friends and family and ensuring that their mental health i suppose is in check that they have access to therapy if they need it they've got good mentors and good friends who support and encourage you um because i'm finding we also in an environment we are also in an environment on instagram and tiktok where a lot of people are giving advice from america first and foremost about getting out of work and how to talk to your boss and get more money from your boss and how to change your career quickly and overnight and we're getting false advice that's not very very kind and balanced in the long term but the other responsibility on corporates to realize that this is the challenge that society is facing right now what can we do to better encourage and support people to look after themselves and for us to be able to look after them as well too but I don't want to poo-poo the scenario of real toxic managers and toxic work cultures. What do those no. look like and what, ex- what exactly is that then? What is a definition of, no, this is not just uh, an, uh, yes, a societal stress, this is toxic and this does need to change? I think there is conversations that can follow from the question as well. We can obviously look at people with real personality issues like narcissists and even psychopaths in the workplace, you know, with snakes in suits, where they can really disturb communication lines, undermine you, be actually quite cruel and rude and treat people just terribly, all for their own means. But that's a whole topic on its own. But then other type of toxic workplace environments is just where there's not good communication, where you raise an issue and your issue is always just sort of like being hushed-hushed, oh, yes, we will look at it, but it's not there. People that's non-responsive to communication, which rather, it, it's really disrespectful if someone just never answer you or reply to you. Um, and it's very undermining if you do not have access to open channels of communication. The, the Obviously, there's the basic things that's not on is when there's meetings and people shout at each other, rude with each other, name calling, but also the gossiping. Um, so we sometimes talk about um, fight, fright, flight, or um, there's the other one in the corridor that they have to name. You're, but there's another one which, which we call the people that's never doing one of those, but they gossiping the whole time in the corridor yeah. and therefore that's their response to, to stress and that's also not on. Um, and then, yeah, so, so it's all about personal, interpersonal relationships then, but also what's part of toxic work culture if there is not clear SOPs in terms mm-hmm. of boundaries. Um, it's terrible if you take your leave and you get emails the whole time, even if you have an out-of-office reply and you lay on switch off your this disinstall your email program from your cell phone and then you get WhatsApp. Oh, I see you're on leave, but yes, I'm on leave. Yes. You know, so, so that is not on. And I think there should be clear SOPs 
about that. Unless staff don't do proper handovers before they go away and don't prep and don't complete yes. things, then of course you're going to be called out of your leave and be like, what are you doing? Like uh, this yes. client is asking us for that deliverable and you never submitted it. And so there really is yes. a bit of a game that needs to be played between both parties that nobody it's is... the responsibility. And I think that's one big problem with we have in South Africa. Everyone is very quick to blame. Everyone yep. is very quick to want. Yep. But very few people are prepared to take personal responsibility. And personal responsibility in terms of mental health, we talked about self-care, but part of that responsibility is also to speak up if you need help, to reach out for help, not to suffer in silence, because your suffering in silence might actually make you that grumpy, irritable colleague that snaps at others. And then you contribute to this environment that you complain of. So you need to seek professional advice and professional support when you need it. At the same time, stigma cannot be addressed only from one person. So if all of us or everyone that has ever struggled with a mental disorder are hushing about it and never talking about it, the stigma just continues. If you think about years back, decades ago, when I was a young medical doctor, it was right in the height of the AIDS pandemic and antiretrovirals just started to roll out. And it was pretty much a hush-hush story since. But since people openly communicated and we had the treatment action campaigns and stuff, the the stigma surrounding HIV AIDS has dissipated and people are actually getting the treatment they should get. And isn't mental health just another one of these pandemics that we should speak more about, your own personal experiences? Because we speak about it, then we demystify it and people are not scared of it anymore. And that's the way we will eradicate stigma and make sure that we address mental health from all angles. Professor Renata Skuman there from the Head of Healthcare Leadership at Stellenbosch Business School sharing some real pearls of wisdom there um, about how we can address the pandemic of mental health in the workplace uh, at the moment. Uh, It's a balanced view of how it's personal responsibility and corporate responsibility. Everybody's got to educate themselves, have more conversations and look after themselves to better balance this conversation. Tune in to goodhopfm.co.za. It's all you need.